Okay, well, it's going to be a good Sunday at church, and uh, Woo Pig, that was, uh, that was great last night. I feel like you could feel the city shaking right here at the church. Me and Andrew were up here uh, running laps around the building, and uh, not in prayer, but just praising God for a win, and uh, we, we were excited. But today's going to be a, a great Sunday. If you are new with us, uh, man, my name is Seth Tumble, I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to say we're excited you're with us today. I know we've got a lot of people getting ready to travel for the holidays, and so, uh, man, y'all be safe this week. People get crazy around Black Friday. Can I get an amen? Watch yourselves, okay? Shop online. All right. Um, we, uh, we've been talking a lot about the book of Acts, and today, um, last week, y'all got to hear from one of my pastors, uh, Pastor Marcus Brown, and uh, this week, you're going to get to hear a little bit from uh, one of my, my pastors as well. Um, his name is Pastor Rick Bizet, and I, y'all, if you've been here for a little bit, you've heard him speak before. He is the founding pastor of our church. He's not here, okay? He's going to be uh, in video, but my brother, Ricky, is here. Could y'all say, hey, Ricky? Um, he, he spoke several months ago and encouraged uh, our church, and so y'all be sure to say hello to him today. I'm glad that you're here. Love you, dude. Um, he, he loves Fayetteville. I'm just believing for a move of God in Jesus' name, all right? Um, but today we're going to watch a video, and uh, we're going to hear some vision from Pastor Rick, and then I'm going to come up at the end of the video and give some specific vision for what's to come in 2023. We've got some things to celebrate because God's been moving, and uh, we, we've been really excited about just what God's up to in the state of Arkansas. You've probably heard this phrase if you've been around for a little bit. It's the Arkansas God sees, and we believe and we pray for um, as a staff and as a church that Arkansas can be the first Christian state. Uh, We believe that it starts with the local church. We're not the best church. Uh, We don't claim to be the best church. We're just another church in this region, in this state, and we want to make an impact. Amen. And so I just, I'm excited about what God's doing, and uh, so we're, we're going to hear from Pastor Rick, and um, we are one of many locations, there's 18 locations, Fayetteville is the first uh, New Life Church to come to uh, Northwest Arkansas, but I'm believing in faith uh, that there are many more to come, uh, from Farmington all the way up to Pea Ridge, somebody, God can move in Pea Ridge, and uh, we're, we're just excited, man, we're excited about the people God's bringing into the house, and um, we get an opportunity to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. And so you should have received a paper on the way in. Uh, Pastor Rick will refer to a card. Um, that is that paper. We put a little thing at the bottom, and, and we'll show you what to do with that in a little bit. So after Pastor Rick talks, I'm going to come back up and share a little bit. So if y'all would, go ahead and play the video. Vision, the vision series. Many people have vision, but can you see what the Lord's will is for your life? What is the vision for you and your family and how it even works throughout the church? Can you see what the Lord's will is? Talking about vision. I had a vision that we could beat Bama in football, but I didn't really think we could. I just love to beat Bama. And so I had some friends over and we had gumbo and we had boudin. Cajuns were crazy loud. And so at the end of the game, when it was down to one play, I decided to record it, and you can see how much fun we had that day. Check it out. He's got him! He's got him! Cajuns, we are crazy, that's a fact, but man, did I love that. But the truth is, victories and vision, it doesn't just accidentally happen. It's got to be intentional. And to be honest, I didn't do anything to help LSU win that game. I just watched. I didn't serve them. I didn't give to them. No, I just watched. And many of you, in the things of God, around the church and the kingdom of the Lord, all that God is trying to do. Uh, You may just be watching. You love the church, but you're not giving to it. You might not even be serving in it. You're just watching. Listen, no condemnation, but we've got to see how we're going to move forward 
from here out. Do we want to repeat that or do we want to win? So my question is, what would it take for you to have a biblical vision for the Lord? What would it take? We must see life with the end in mind. We can't just be thinking about this week or this day. No, we have to lift up our eyes and see. So I was thinking about how in the world can I show this and to to make it clear to you. And I have this card. I want you to look at it right now. I want you to do two things for me. Draw two lines for me. One, the first line is to represent your age, your current age right now. And then I want you to estimate on another line. And that is how long do you think? Like give it a fair shot. How long do you think that you will live? And I want you to draw a line there. The reason why I want to do this is I want you to see the difference in today and at the end. Vision, it really starts when you see the time that we're in. In fact, Scripture uh, shows that we're all different. We're all going to go about this differently. But you have to consider how do you do it. It might not be like everybody else, but how do you do it? You can see differences in every relationship. In marriage, you have differences in the two. One is an early riser and the other is a night owl. I like joking about this. One is on time and the other is late. One likes to spend money and the other is a tightwad. One disciplines the kids and the other just gives chocolate. One likes to talk 30,000 words a day. Like some people, they talk so much that it's just one word, like they all connect. It's a hum all day. Well, you have the other, they just grunt at best. One likes the cuddle and the other's a porcupine. One likes intimacy and kissing and the other is stupid. But here's the truth. We are different. And as a believer, you're going to have a vision that is different than someone else. But we have to stay as a unit. I remember studying about Normandy as a kid, but then one time I got to go there and I was blown away by the history that more of them were killed by friendly fire than enemy fire. They had these clickers and they were trained to use the clicker. It was, they would hit it once and then it was nighttime when they showed up. So the friends that they had, the other nations, the allies, they would click back. But a lot of them thought it was ridiculous to do that. So they didn't even bring their clickers with them. So at nighttime, when they heard these people coming, they would click and they couldn't click back. So they just killed them. They didn't listen to the word. I think this is huge for all of us. In my home, uh, Michelle and I, we're getting older. And so we don't see that well anymore. And if you look around my home, we have these tight glasses everywhere. In fact, you can see my text. If I held up my phone, you could read my text from across the room, maybe across the city. That's how big the font is. But at home, Michelle and I will be talking and she'll say something like, hey, read this article. And I immediately have to go around the house. Where are my glasses? Where are my glasses? I can't see. And I'll put them on. And when I put them on, I know I look weird but peace comes over me. Why? Because I can see. It's like my face gets saved. It's like peace everywhere because I can see again. Listen, this is what the Lord is trying to do with vision. Like you can't really see what he's up to, but he wants to give you a vision and it just brings peace to your soul. It changes everything. So many years ago after church on a Sunday, Uh, It was during the first year that we pastored this church. I was at a traffic light, and I had lanes on both sides of me. I saw a family on one side laughing, and you could tell they were just leaving church. I don't know if it was New Life Church or another church, but they, they clearly had just left church. And you could sense that they were strong and close and secure. Crazy joy happening in that minivan. They not only looked like they had vision for the Lord, but they looked like the vision had them They were on a mission. Interesting enough, I looked on the other side at another family and they just looked like they came from nowhere and they were going to no other place. They were unraveling in that minivan. They had a serious fight. I don't remember all the details, but I remember one teenager, the son, he was reaching over just trying to reach his dad and the tension was real. And the daughter in the back 
I couldn't hear her, but it looked like she was screaming. And interesting enough, the dad looked at me. And at first he looked at me like, I hate my life. And then it looked like he was thinking, I hate that you're seeing this. He looked at me like he had no clue how to get vision back. And it was in that moment that I told the Lord, Lord, I want to pastor these two tight people. I want to pastor people who are clear on the vision and they know where to go and how we can help them keep it. But I also want to pastor people who have no vision and they don't know how to get it. With that in mind, in Jeremiah uh, chapter 29 and verse 11, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. What kind of plans? Vision plans. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So the Lord has plans for us, but do you know what they are? So today, I'm going to help you find what this vision is, what his plans are for all of us, and we're going to learn it from the life of Christ. So Jesus, when he was 30 years of age, he was taken out into the desert for 40 days of fasting and prayer. He had vision and the vision had him. And we always talk about these 40 days of fasting, but we don't talk about the next three years much. So you just located on that card how old you are and how many years you have left in a guess. Jesus knew exactly how much. He knew his age. He knew what was happening. And these three years to me, it sort of inspired him to get it right. So with that in mind, uh, the disciples would always want to know, how much time do we have left? How much time? He knew, but they didn't know. And they would talk about the end times. When is it going to happen? When are you going to come back? When? It, they just wanted to know the math. But Jesus never told them when. But what he did tell them was to watch. Like, I know you want to know the math, but what you really need to do to have vision for me is you just need to pay attention and watch for your plan, for your convictions, for what I'm doing on planet Earth. You gotta watch. And the reason why he said this, if you knew he was coming back on January 1, 2023, you would live differently. But as it got closer and closer, you would change more and more until the day before you would be living all out for him. And the Lord doesn't want us living according to math. He wants us to have a day in and day out vision to follow after him with tons of compassion. So how are you doing with that? And the reason, by the way, I had you mark up this card is so you could see the potential timeline of where you are and how you can move forward together with Christ. This reminds me of a Boudreaux joke. Uh, it's called Good News and Bad News. Boudreaux went to the doctor and the doctor called him about a week later. He said, Boudreaux, I got some good news and bad news. Which one do you want first? And he said, give me the good news. That's what I want. And he said, well, the good news is you have 24 hours to live. And he said, what? That's the good news? What's the bad news? He said, the bad news is I forgot to call you yesterday. So in Psalms 39 and verse 4, it says, Lord, remind me, like all I'm teaching you is in the word. Lord, remind me of how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. What? My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. So again, with the life of Christ, it changes when we start living like him. Like all of us know that we only live once. So we can look at that and go, man, I only live once, so I'm going to live for myself. We can answer it like Eve did. I only live once, so I'm going to do what I want to do. Or we can think like Christ, we only live once. So let's get this right for him. So again, life of Christ. Let's look at this passage of scripture when Jesus was led out into the wilderness to the desert in Matthew chapter four, the scripture says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, 
It's just a simple no. The scriptures say, and this is how you have vision right here. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem. So at first he was led by the spirit of God, and now Satan is trying to move him around. And it says to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order. Now Satan is quoting the word. He will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, and also it's not just this, but it's also the scripture also says you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I'll give it all to you, he said. Think about this. He's, he's telling him he's going to give it all. You know, this is God he's speaking to. If you will just kneel down and worship me. This is what Satan really wants from all of us for us to kneel down and to love his plan, to love his plan more than heaven's plan for us. We don't just sit around uh, saying we worship Satan, but it's identical when we just love his plan. In essence, he told Jesus, I'll give you all of my plan. Just do what I want you to do. Don't do what the Father wants you to do. But Jesus said, Satan, just get out of here for the scriptures say." You must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil went away and angels came. They, they were there. The devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. I don't know how they did that. Maybe gave him some jambalaya. Maybe some crawfish paya. Maybe some filet gumbo. -ya. I don't know. But I know they took care of Jesus. So the life of Christ. How do we learn from this? and also have a biblical vision starting right now. The age that you're at, forward, number one. The vision, it's clear to me, the vision to obey God forever is more important than to feel better right now. Like we're trying to please God for eternity other than just trying to feel better right now. This is very difficult as a pastor, I'm gonna tell you why. Because sometimes as a pastor, you're going to be tempted to help someone feel better immediately, more than ultimately. Meaning they are hurting and you want them to get immediate ease. I can think of so many examples. I had a man in my office a few years ago and he said, Rick, and I knew, by the way, he had a bad marriage. It was a lot of turmoil at home. So he came in smiling and goes, Rick, I found a lady who loves the Lord. You know, my wife is not serving God right now. And this girl's a God-fearing woman. She's so kind. She's pretty, I'll admit that. But she loves me. But to be honest, Pastor Rick, we're sleeping together, and I love it. I've never been this happy. And the, the Lord has shown me that she is for me. And he showed her the same thing. So, Pastor Rick, I came by to ask you, do you think it's okay if I divorce my wife to be with this girl? I, I just want to know. Whatever it is that you say, that's what I'm going to do. And man, I just went to the Bible. I, I could have said, well, you know, the Lord will allow you to do this or that. But the scripture is so clear that I went to the word of God instead of his feelings. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4, I read this to him. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. And he's just like looking at me. It's like, come on, man. You're going to ruin my life. And then I read to him Proverbs 6, verse 32. But a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. So I told him, what you need to do is to go home right now and repent to your wife and tell her you're sorry and run away from that relationship with that girl immediately. And he told me, he goes, Pastor, I can't do that. It's going to hurt my girlfriend deeply. And I love her. And I said, no, my friend, I think not obeying God is going to hurt her a lot more than your plan. Like, what does the word say? 
What hurts people the most is running away from the Lord. Nothing can hurt us more than that. I don't necessarily like this part of the story. It turns out better, but this man said no. He was kind. He's a very kind man, but he said, Pastor Rick, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to run on my own. So the question has to be, how do you think it went for him? Well, not well. He lost his family. Ultimately, he lost his job. He even lost the relationship with that new girl. He lost his joy. He lost his vision. But I thought of him recently because I ran into him, and he came over to me. And I'd heard he was doing much better, but he came to me, and he said, Pastor Rick, I wish I would have taken heed to the word, but I wanted to do it my way, but now I'm right with God. And so I prayed for him, and, and it was a good time. But it is good to see vision on someone again. His plan was different after that, but the Lord still gave him grace. So back to Jesus. During that time, in verse 3, during that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. So we know how he handled it because I just read it. But what is the Lord asking you to do in your time of need or in your struggle? And then along with that, what is the enemy asking you to do when you're struggling? Jesus, he was craving to eat. You know he was hungry, but he was not craving to compromise. He could have said, Father, uh, you made the grain and the gluten. He could have thought, well, my last supper is going to be with bread. Then why can't my first supper be with bread? Right here, right now. He was starving and no one would have seen him. This is what he could have said. No one's going to see me. I can get away with this. No, no, no because he had vision, vision in his life to obey the word of God. He was hungry, yes, but he was even more hungry for the word. Listen, nothing tastes better than to obey the word of God. That's vision. 40 days without food, but he had zero days without the word. And that's how you make it. Right now, our temptations are real. But how do we get through this? It's through holding on to the word of God. Something right now, to be clear, something is wrong on planet earth right now. As a pastor, I'm just stepping away from all of this just to talk to you. You can see it in America. You can see it around the world. I'm an optimist. If you want to be around somebody who's positive, that's generally going to be me. But something is wrong in our land. Something is wrong in the world. It's like the end times and the spirit of Antichrist is on earth right now. It very well could be true. If you line up scripture, you can see these, everything points to now. Whether I'm right or not, something is wrong. Look at how many times you see confusion on the people. And the Bible says Satan is the author of confusion. What are they doing? What are they thinking? How many times do you say that? What are those people even thinking? How many times are you confused about decisions others are making? How many times do you see hate all around us? How many times do you see complex situations like how in the world did this happen? Things don't add up. I told someone uh, recently, it's like trying to figure out what color the letter seven smells like. It's just no way to figure this out. And one sad thing to show you what I mean is one of our states in our nation they had a proposition recently that passed, by the way, by a lot of margin. And it allows the killing of a child all the way to the day of birth. When I read about that, it just confused me. I told Michelle, babe, I don't know anybody that mean. I don't know anyone in politics, outside of politics. I don't know anyone that would kill a child right before birth. She said, yeah, Rick, they won't do it that way. The way they'll do it is in the name of compassion. Like something is wrong with this child, so I'm going to take its life so it doesn't have to suffer. Or it could be a, a plethora of different reasons. They're going to get a report that something is not right with the child, and out of compassion, they'll say, I don't want that child to suffer, so I'm going to kill the child? It's even hard to even say it. It's horribly confusing to me 
It's even hard to talk about. But how about in Arkansas? Christians all over the state are running away from the church and hating church. I remember reading about Billy Graham. When, he, when Billy Graham died, one backslidden Christian in Arkansas said, this is a great day on planet Earth that Billy Graham died. We're no longer going to have this full teaching deceit to the masses. And what hurt the most about it is that this man, he used to be a Jesus follower many years ago. But back to Christ. I want you to look at this. What did Jesus do when he was tempted? He went to the word. He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. So here's another question. How many scriptures would Jesus have had to manipulate if he would have wanted to eat that bread? He would have had to spend his life justifying that particular craving. But instead, he just went to the word and division. He could have said, this is what I wanted. This is my preference. It's a very difficult situation. I was hurting. I was miserable. No one else understood. No, that's not what he did. He just went to the word and he quoted the word and he stood strong there. Let me be clear. Any plan or vision without the word, it's going to destroy us. Listen, we have a king that we're following. He's not president. If he was president, uh, we could take the Constitution and we could rewrite it with a majority who think differently. But that's not the way we can treat the Word of God. It is unmovable, and we have to make a decision in the vision of our lives. Are we going to serve Him? Are we going to follow the Word? Are we going to try to spend our time changing it day in and day out when it's unmovable in the first place? So number one, uh, have vision that way. Number two, the vision to protect his name over our name. That's huge. The vision, it has to be to protect his name and not our name. Jesus was led by Satan to Jerusalem and he was challenged and even Satan quoted the word, but only a bit of it. And then Jesus quoted the rest of it. Please listen. Be aware of people who try to sway you away from the truth with a little bit of truth. The Bible doesn't say the truth will set you free. It seems like it does, but it doesn't. It says if you know the truth, then the truth will set you free. Many think because of that, they go, well, you know, it's my life. I want to live the way I want to live. It's my marriage. I can do what I want. It's my desires, my appetite, my body, my preference. But I want to give you a few unmovable truths you have to keep in mind, strong convictions have to be around this. Some think that there's a lot of different ways to heaven, that Jesus never said, I am the only way. So is that true or false? Jesus is love, but he said, I'm the only way to the Father. There's no other way to get there. He's a God of love, true, but he's also a God of truth. Jesus is love, but he only speaks the truth. That's the language of the Lord. But the native language of the devil is lies and confusion and manipulating the word. So listen to me. If you raise a child with only love, that child's going to be a brat. But if you raise a child with only truth, that child is going to be depressed and is going to end up hating the truth. But when you combine a mixture of love and correction, that produces a healthy child. Another thing some people say is there are there is no heaven or hell. There's no heaven or hell. But God said to Hezekiah, he said, get your house in order. You're going to die. Listen to me. You and I are both going to die. We're all going to die. And we must live in the order and accuracy of the word. So guess what? You and I have a body, but living inside of your body is the real you. You are a real person. It's your soul and your spirit. And that is the part of you that lives forever. Your body is going to die in the grave. But the real you, your personality, your intelligence, your memory, your spirit is going to live forever. That part of you will never die. And you're going to spend millions of years and billions of years either in heaven or hell. And these are not my words. Jesus, he talked about heaven and hell more than any other person in the Bible. Why? 
because he knows eternity is important. For you to have vision on earth, you have to see eternity. Most of us think more about our schedule right now, this week, this month, versus eternity. And he said, I've even put eternity in your heart, so consider it. And then number three, the vision to see his will over your success as more important. Even in the book of Matthew, we're reading right now in verse eight, says, next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, I'll give it to you. Talking to Jesus. Satan is literally saying this. He had the audacity to say this. I'll give it to you if you kneel down and worship me. Man, that's a goal of his. So the Lord would love for you to give full allegiance in your vision to him, to worship him. But I was thinking about this recently. I was reading in the gospel and it said that one day Jesus went to the temple and he was paying attention how they were worshiping, how they were giving. And I was studying history in the, in the book of Josephus. It talks about in those days there was a theocracy. And so they would give their tithes and their taxes right there in the temple. And that, that particular season, they had these copper bins that they would put in the heaviest amount of coins that they could to look good, just to look like they had it all together. And it would clang uh, as it hit the three layers of, of copper and make a lot of noise. And they were just basically showing off, like, look at me. Instead of let's look at the Lord, look at me. But interesting enough, as Jesus was watching, there was one widow with two mites, which I don't know if you've ever held a mite before, but they're so tiny and so light that I bet when she put it in that it made no noise at all. And it said that this woman was in destitute, meaning she was so poor she could barely afford even to go to church that day. And it says that she gave that and Jesus stopped everything. And he said, this lady, she's given more. She's worshiped more in essence She's doing more for the kingdom of God than anyone else right here, right now. And it hit me when, when I read that, that there's no telling how many billions of, of dollars or how much motivation has come from this lady's, this lady's obedience. Like she was hurting, but she set aside that to give. And I was thinking about our church. This is huge because I want you to think about what the Lord is doing on planet Earth. We have some people who serve and they're so busy that they only have like two mites of time, very little time, but they carve it out to give. Our church, we've had people give large amounts here and there, but to be truthful with you, the people who are really building our church are the people who have a little bit of time and a little bit of money, but they set it aside. Might be a widow who works at Walmart and she tells her kids, hey, we're gonna set aside this for the Lord. And these are the people that have built the kingdom of God. This widow's might, there's no telling how much has been raised for the kingdom of God because of her. But I'll tell you what you also must notice as Jesus celebrated her gift, not the other gifts, not the large sums, but this little widow lady so with that in mind i want you to remember something that jesus also said he said what should it profit a man or a woman if they gain the whole world and yet lose their own soul so vision it actually comes together when you're thinking about eternity this is why we're talking about this a lot but some of you might remember the story i don't know if i've shared it with all the campuses but I had a chance to go and visit Dr. Billy Graham before he died. And it's a long story, but I ended up going into his home. He was seated in a chair, and I walked in, and I looked at him, and he, he was about to die. That was the first thing he said. He said, I'm about to die. I'm only going to live a few weeks more. He lived longer than that, but that's what he said. He said, I'm about to die. And uh, it was a powerful time. I was asking him questions like, sir, I gave my heart to the Lord at that crusade when you preached in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, how long did it take you to prepare a sermon? He said, it took me a, a lifetime to prepare every sermon. 
And then at the end, I said, Dr. Billy Graham, would you pray over me? I love the way you lived your life and with integrity and, and you loved your wife and you, you followed after the word of God and you feared the Lord. Would you pray that over me? And he said, yeah, I'll pray it over you, but I want you to pray over me first. I said, yes, sir, okay. But how do I pray for you? And what he said, I'm never going to forget it. He said, I want you to pray that I'm going to run this race well, that I'm going to finish strong. Now, let me remind you, he had just told me that he was only going to live for a week or two more. He had just said that. And now he's asking me to pray over him that he finishes this race well. He actually even said, pray with me that I don't lose my first love. I was thinking, this is how this man did it. He's never taken his eyes off of eternity. This is the reason why he lived well. Like he's at the end of his life. But he's been thinking about the end of his life when he was a young man. And this is what the Lord is asking for us to do. Like how many years do we have left? We don't know. But keep the end in mind because the end will come. And Dr. Billy Graham said, hey, I know I'm going to die in a few weeks, but I want you to pray that I don't lose my first love. I was thinking, if he loses his first love, we're all going down. But I prayed that over him. It felt ridiculous. But at the same time, it felt like a lesson I needed. So New Life Church, I just want to tell you in this vision series, and if we're going to support each other and support the church and give to it faithfully and serve, there's only one way it's going to happen. And that is for us to have the vision that Jesus craves for us to have. To live now with the end in mind. The end's going to come. But let's not make those adjustments then. Let's live that way right now. That's the reason why we started this church. And that's how we're going to finish strong. Amen. Amen. Tell the person next to you, say you need to finish strong. I love my pastor, even though he is an LSU fan. Um, that video was so funny of him in that helmet. I just, I love it. Finish strong. Um, I, I've always loved uh, a good competition, and, and I've always had kind of a competitive nature growing up. I, I played some baseball um, as a kid and, and a little bit in high school and college, and and I was a closer, um, which means, see, my boy Alex, uh, means that you, you come in, and he's a baseball coach. Um, uh, you come in, and you've got to finish the game. You've got to pitch, usually in a situation that seems less than ideal. Um, anybody know what a closer is? Okay, and you, you come in, usually the stakes are high, there's people on base, and if you give up a run, it's kind of all on you, you know. And it's, it's a very weird situation, but I, I used to love going in when the stakes were high. I loved it. I loved the, the adrenaline rush I would get and, and uh, had to go three up, three down. And for some of y'all, y'all are like, that would really stress me out, you know, that, to be responsible for that. And uh, for me, I love it. I, I've loved pressure and I've loved a challenge. And, and I do want to challenge us today to kind of have a mentality where the bases are loaded and we got to go three up, three down. It, the stakes have never been higher right now in Jesus' name. Would you all agree? The, the political climate is crazy. The world is crazy. Your Facebook feed is crazy, okay? And people need Jesus. I've learned this lesson that no matter how well you start something, the way that you finish means everything. We've got to end well. And so starting strong is one thing, but finishing strong is everything. Listen, I want to finish strong. I can't speak for you. I want to finish strong, and I want every person that calls New Life Church home to say, we are going to finish strong. Every day, hand to the plow, eyes fixed on Jesus. I want your marriages, your finances, your kids. I want us to finish strong. I want us to cross the finish line one day and to hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. I, I've trusted you. And, and you have done exactly what, what I asked you to do. I just think that that's the way that we should live our lives. 
So I want to pause real quick and just tell you, I want our church to genuinely love the hell right out of people. Can I get an amen? Some of y'all are like, he's cussing in church. No, it's okay. Like, just do it. Like, what if we could love and live and serve in such a way that you had eternal impact? Like the way that you greet the lady at the grocery store, or, or you, you greet the person waiting on your table, or the way you serve the people in your workplace, and they say, something's different about them. What would it look like? I, I think it would change the world that we live in. I don't want to have regrets. I don't want to get across the finish line and, and think, well, this is what I could have done, or I would have done, or I should have done. No, I want to lay it all down. In the name of Jesus, when I lay down at night to rest, anybody like to sleep? I like it. But when I lay down in bed, I want to know I gave everything I got today to love my family, to love my bride, to love Jesus and point people to Jesus every breath I take. And I want to eventually lay down at the end of my life knowing the same thing. Hebrews 12, it's a beautiful verse. It says, in verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on who? Jesus. Not our circumstance, not the problem at hand, but on Jesus, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, Jesus, who, in, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you would not grow weary and lose heart. And so today, this is my prayer. I'm going to share some vision. God's doing some awesome stuff at NLC Fayetteville. It's just the beginning. I pray that today this is a shot in your arm. I pray that you have some energy and some motivation in the things of God when you leave this place today. It's kind of crazy. This weekend is a big weekend for my family because this was the weekend that we became the pastors of this church a year ago. It's been 12 months, and I'll never forget. Oh, I didn't want y'all to clap. We're still trying to figure this thing out, baby. We didn't got a clue what we're doing, and it's been so much fun. I'll never forget. We walked on stage. I preached my first sermon, and right before I walked up, I tasted iron. I was like, something's bleeding, you know, and my nose was gushing blood. Does anybody remember this? You were here. I shoved Kleenex up my nose, and I preached most of that message with a nose full of tissue, and it was bloody, and that day, I really, it was really true that that I'm going to bleed and and sweat and cry for this place, okay? I mean, that became true for me, and and it's it's been an awesome year. It's been a crazy year, but I'll, I'll never forget that first 10 weeks the one thing I felt like the Lord wanted me to do was he, he just said, hey, put your phone number on the screen. Let every person know that the goal of this next season is clarity. The goal of this next season is unity. And the goal of this next season is to become a family in Jesus' name. And so y'all blew up my phone. I was like, my goodness, y'all are crazy. And uh, man, y'all are really sinful. And I'm like, man, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But for the first six months, we wanted unity. We wanted this place to feel like family, to, to, to come together as one. And, and here's the thing. There are lives at stake. There's people to reach. There's families to restore. There's people to feed. There's addictions to be broken in Jesus' name. There's a gospel to preach. There's a university to reach. Literally, you don't have to leave the city to reach the world. They come to you. And I believe in faith that we will make an impact in this region. Not because of New Life Church, but because of fully devoted followers of Jesus. Uh, Excited and on fire for the things of God. Do y'all know that 100 people move here a week from all across the world to be a part of whatever's happening here? What if it could be because of Jesus? And not just the business or the economy or the Razorbacks or what? That's great, but what if it was like, I gotta be there because something is happening. That's what I pray and that's what I believe for the harvest is plentiful the workers are few so let us send workers into the harvest field it's time to get in the game baby i've been saying it since we moved here and i'm going to say it again if you want to come and occupy a seat this ain't the place for you and i say that with all the grace and love in my heart we want some people on fire for the things of god and i believe in faith that we will see things that are 
crazy like the book of Acts that we've been reading in our time right here in Fayetteville. Can somebody say amen? It's been happening. I've got some things to share in a second. I got to get through these notes. I'm sorry, Andrew. Uh, we, we spent the first six months having unity, and in the last six months, our focus was to make this place feel like a home. From the foyer when you walk in to the way you feel when you walk out to life groups being the heartbeat of this church, not just something we talk about, but like it's everything. Life groups are everything. If you're not in a life group, get in a life group. It's a perfect time to dive full speed and get involved. We have seen a lot of people come to know Jesus. We've seen a lot of people get baptized. Ten last week, we've become a family over the last six months. And I believe, and our staff was talking about this, that we are about to see the expansion of our family. And we're going to see things grow. So here's a few things for 2023. I'm going to talk so fast, you probably can't write them down, but I'll talk about it for the rest of my life. So it's okay, all right? A few things. We're going to scratch the surface today. I can't tell you everything, but I can leave you with something. We are going to run the race with endurance. We're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, and we are not going to look back. Everything is about eternity, and that is how we will live. We will have a burning passion for outreach, evangelism, community, and discipleship. I'm going to sound like an auctioneer. I want a church where people truly care about people. Like every Sunday, you look forward to learning someone's name, learning their story, and speaking to their potential. Like it's not just to come and get a pat on the back and worship, and hopefully Seth shares a good word. No, learn someone's name. Learn their story and speak to their potential in Jesus' name. Number one, I pray that we will see every person that walks through these doors become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. That's what I pray. I believe in January to summer, we will see life groups triple. I believe that we will see serve teams triple in Jesus' name. Every pocket of NWA will have a life group in it in Jesus' name. You ain't got to drive 45 minutes to come to church. You can drive right down the road. Can somebody say amen? Life groups all over the place. Salvation's happening in homes. I pray that some of y'all baptize people in bathtubs, all right? Just make sure you clean that thing because I've been in some of your houses. Monday through Saturday, I want to see the church on fire and we celebrate on, somebody, we, we celebrate on Sunday. Monday through Saturday. Number two. Feeding the hungry and the homeless in this region. Did y'all know there's a lot of people here that need to be fed? There's a lot of people right now, even in the seats of this church. I know stories going on right now. You need help in this area. I dream that what we do on Thanksgiving and Christmas, we do every week. I dream about the day as a church that we take groceries door to door in lower income areas in this region and we can help people eat. We can meet a physical need and then meet a spiritual need. I believe some of you will be called to do that. I pray that this church would look like heaven every Sunday. Different demographics, backgrounds, races, ages, all of that, that you would look around and say, this place looks a lot like heaven. I pray that by the doctor would be sitting someone who needs a home. I pray that by the, the football coach or whatever, there would be a kid that doesn't have a father that would love one. I pray that right next to the lawyer, there would be a single mom with five kids that needs help. And she's clinging for dear life. I pray that we have a church that looks like heaven. Can somebody say amen? It's happening. Number three, building a mobile grill. I don't know what it's going to look like. Probably a Razorback or something. A giant, you know, like, I, I believe we will take that thing into the city and we will feed pe people in need. Some of you will feel led specifically to give towards this in 2023. I believe that it will be used to grow the community at New Life Church. You ain't got to rush out of here to eat because you can eat right here. Get a hot dog and a hamburger and be nice to somebody, all right? Like, I believe we can reach the city by just feeding some people and opening the conversation. That, that, there's a lot to go with that. Number four, this one's a lot of fun. I know y'all are going to get excited about this one. This builds community, outreach, and evangelism all in one. I believe that we will install a, a very large screen in the foyer. Um, we will stream services out there because this room will fill up. And uh, y'all need to get here early so you got a seat or you're going to be sitting your butt in the foyer, okay? Because uh, we don't want to do a bunch of services. We would like to stay close as a family until we build a new building. Because somebody say amen, okay? I believe God's going to give us land in the future. I believe that we will build a building. I believe that we will have multiple locations in this region. I'm getting ahead of myself. That screen. 
What's the purpose of it? We're going to put some speakers on top of the church and on away games from basketball, baseball, football, water polo, whatever else. This can be a place where people come to have fun and tailgate. That we gather as a family, not just on Sunday, but we can celebrate and have fun on, on Saturday. Can, can somebody say amen, all right? Like, like the whole parking lot's full of tents. We got that big grill right in the middle, feeding people, free food, games, giveaways. And bring your lawn chair. Don't scratch our floor and come watch the game in church. And then everybody that's cussing during that game, they can come back on, on Sunday and get saved, all right? That's what I believe can happen, all right? I believe we can reach the city by celebrating some things that people really care about. And, and I, can, I can see that being very, very successful. Just a few things. Um, I mentioned it earlier that I believe that we're going to have land. I believe that we'll build a building. I could care less about buildings, just so you know. I care about people. But it takes sometimes a bigger building to have more people here. I believe that that's going to happen. I believe we will see the beginning of that in 2023. I believe that God's going to start sending leaders here that feel called to plant churches in this region. They will come here to learn how to do that. And some of you here, God is calling you to pastor and lead at this church. The last one, but definitely not all that we're doing in 2023, foster care and adoption. This will be the heartbeat of our church to care for the orphan and the widow, that we would adopt, that we would foster, that we would give, and we would pray. And um, we've been sharing vision about this for the month of November being Adoption Awareness Month. Um, I believe this will be a place where we educate people about the need in our region. I believe people will come here. Um, families that are broken, there can be a home for their kid and restoration for the parent as well. Um, we've been praying the uh, last couple weeks for a young man named Austin, and I wanted to make sure I had permission to share this. Would y'all throw that picture up there of Austin? This is Austin's new family, by the way. Um, he's, even, he's even matching socks. You know, I just think it's so, so cute. Um, Austin's 11th birthday was yesterday, and he received a gift of a new home. You guys prayed, and God moved. What would it look like if we prayed like that every day? And I could give you the details because it's bizarre. And I've talked with a few families. They say, this doesn't happen like this. It's just the beginning. I believe this will happen for hundreds of kids by the way that you give, the way that you pray, and the way that you open your lives to people who need hope. God is faithful. I dream about all of these things. I can see it, and I know that we will have a big part to play in it. Discipleship will be flourishing. Community will be flourishing. Outreach will become who we are, not what we do. In Jesus' name.